podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Celtic State of Mind Bulletin. My name's Kevin Graham, and on my Wednesday, we've got the new Wednesday club. Is it a club? I'm not 100% sure. Brian, we've got Brian and, and Colin. Eh? Brian called us the Wednesday Warriors, and I'm not 100% into that. That sounds like something you see outside a church hall for a swimming club. That's ironic because I'm on here, so I will take that. <laughs> I was just going to say, mate, the lockdown mean I'm going to watch news to the The Wednesday Warriors, I think we should be walking up uh, the hills or somewhere like that. I, I think that's like, if anybody <laughs> in the corner, <laughs> uh, if anybody's got any ideas what we can call this Wednesday soiree, then let us know. I and keep it clean as well. I uh, keep it clean, uh, keep, on the, keep on the right side of. Like normality and goodness, and be kind to us, please be kind to us. <laughs> um, there's a couple of folk in the comments saying that we're late. I don't think we're late. That's just that's just turned half past. So yeah, I don't like what we're doing. Brian Conway, I know Brian, he comes in the Wednesday Wallopers, and that doesn't surprise me. Brian's <laughs> came in with that truthfully, <laughs> truthfully, right. I mean, we're in the middle of a fiesta of football, as I kept on calling it last night with Screamer Selica. And we've got a European draw. So we know in how many days' time it is. I, don't know, I can't actually remember. Where's uh, J.P. Mason when you need him in his countdown calendar? <laughs> uh, we play FC Mitterland from... It's, it's, no, Denmark. 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 Yeah. yeah, a team that's very familiar to us because we've got Eric Sevachenko who is with them, and also they played uh, Rangers last year. It was last year, eh? was yeah, it? last year, last that, year of the season before, and season Rangers before. run over the top of them. Uh uh-huh. and and uh, and the Champions League qualifier. Now, I'm calling them Euro- I'm, I'm calling them European qualifiers because it is a European qualifier. We need to... I can't see us getting into the Champions League, which we're going to go into further on. I see this as a European qualifier, and this is just to make sure we're in Europe at some form between now and the start of the season. What's your feelings of the draw, Brian? Yeah, I'm quite happy, actually. I think, uh, I mean, listen, you don't want Galatasaray. That was, uh, that was the one you wanted to avoid. Um 
Matchland, I think I'll, I'll take. Um, I don't think I think even our makeshift side should still be able to put up a, a decent fight. He's a, a decent chance, and I, I mean I don't think we're on to, we're on to hiding. Even if even with the makeshift back line, we keep talking about. I think we should have enough in the tank to to to, to go in there swinging. And it'd be a decent gauge before the season starts, actually. Um, no, I'm quite positive about it. I think it's a, a decent draw, and I, I don't think they're, they're, there's much between the teams anyway. Um, and I, I mean, when I say the teams, I mean the squad now, sort of decimated. I think it's, it's just as good as their squad, so I'm excited. Colin, what's your thoughts about it? How, I, I know that you were, you were on doing the State of the Euros yeah. Earlier on, when the draw was made, eh? that was fantastic. I watched that program. Anybody that hasn't seen it, go back and watch it. Eh, great insight to what's happening at the moment in, all over Europe. What was what was your thoughts when it came through in your text? I think definitely it's the easiest draw out of the three. That's not to say that it's an easy draw in itself. Um, it is going to be a difficult one. Looking at it, when you look at the pre-season friendlies that we've got and the squad that we're probably going to be using for that, considering the guys that are at the Euros, um, and then potentially, I know he's probably out the door, but Edward looks as if he's going to be heading to the Olympics as well. So you are going to have a makeshift sort of squad for this round. But looking at it, if we can get through this one, I think it almost guarantees us European football through to Christmas, although it could be the Conference League, but... There's some decent teams in that as well. Um, well. Don't don't rule that out. You get through this round and you lose the next one, you go into the Europa League playoff. Um, and then if you lose that, you're in the Conference League. So I think we've got the, the easiest draw at the three. Will it be an easy draw for us to get through? Playing at home first, I'd rather play away. Uh, I'd rather know what you've got to do when you get back to Celtic Park. And watching the Denmark game the other night, they looked as if they had a decent amount of fans in the stadium so mm-hmm. that could be a tricky one for us going over there uh, it, could, it could well be when you're saying that uh, it's to stay into Europe if we get beat off Mitchelland then we go into the third round Europa League yep. qualifying draw and we either play Famagusta or Jablonek that's all that draw has already been made uh, then I wasn't aware of that then if we get put out by either one of those two teams, we go into the playoff for the UEFA Conference League and our total cup where no draws, <laughs> no, no draws been made for that. And um, But if we beat Mitchelland, uh, we can either play PSV, Sparta Prague, Spartak Moscow or Ghent. So that, that's a really difficult draw, that. That is very, very hard. Very hard. I mean, you look at teams like Ghent, they were... They had the big boy that played up front for them last season that I was saying that Celtic should have went after. He's nearly, I think he's six foot seven. He'd banged in about 30 goals last season. And it looks as if he could be on his way to Arsenal. That Belgian league's very strong when you look at mm-hmm. it. Um, so uh, we'll do well to get through this round. And then after that, I think, considering the rebuild that you're in, you're looking at Europa League at best. I think you are. Because even, even if we had a settled squad, you're probably having a look at Europa League at Brest. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, we've mentioned it before. I certainly don't think you can judge most of Pogba in Europe this season. I think that would be a, 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 a big ask. Um, and you know what? You, I would rather, at, at this moment in time, be in the Europa League and do OK than get in the Champions League and get scaled because we're quite low in confidence as it is. 
you know, as a fan base, as a club. So I think Europa League, find their feet in Europe, uses it, and it's a very good level, Europa League, let's not get ourselves on, um, and then go for there. So I, yeah, I'd be quite comfortable with that as well. For me, early success for us would be being in the Europa League. Uh, if we manage the amount of change that we're going to have this summer, with Ange bringing in his own culture, his own philosophy, the amount of players that we're going to be coming in, I think if we manage to get into the Europa League, then we've done extremely well. And that's not me being pessimistic. That's just me looking at the task at hand. And the task that we've got in hand is massive. And even to beat Mitchell, it's absolutely massive. Because these guys, which one are, are in a process, they're a, a structured side. They've got they've had a philosophy over the last five or six years, which has been really, really successful for them. And mm-hmm. even though Rangers bet them in the last year or so, Rangers are in a better place than us, a far better place than what we're in. So we're really up against it right away. And we're only ten days away from these. We're only ten days away from registering players for these qualifiers. So mm-hmm. you're already looking at it, looking at the squad that we've got, looking at the players that we've got in the Euros and going, are we going to add anybody in the next 10 days? Uh, before we talk about that, I want to drop at Vienna just for banter stakes, just for, uh, <laughs> just, just for, just for Celtic dark points. I want to drop at Vienna just, just so we could bring up 1984 and all that again. Eh? But as I say, we're on, we're, on, we're 10 days away from the, the, the signing deadline for this round, do you actually think we'll bring anybody in in those 10 days? Do you think we'll still be interested in Sviachenko after today's draw? That was an interesting one. Do you think that's a lazy a, a lazy link or is there anything in that? <sighs> Brian, I'll let you handle that one first. <laughs> so, my, my point of view might be different to people's because I'm actually, I would take him back a second. Jinko, I was a big fan of his the first time round, if I'm honest. Um, I think he's he's left and um captain him in our two league titles. Um since he's left he's 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 always put up Celtic related stuff, he always follows the club, he's got the club at heart. Is it the most ambitious signing? No. Can we not go for Musa Dembele then if that's the case? Can we get Musa, <laughs> can we get Musa back if that's the case? Next of all. I think that Bringing, bringing a guy like that back in, what it does give you is he doesn't need time to bed in. Mm-hmm. He gets it. We talk about players that get it, managers that get it, that get Celtic, that understand it. And more than ever, we need players in our team that understand it. There's nothing to say that he couldn't come in and take the captain's armband, even for a season, just for the rest of the squad built, and then we can add tape for there. He's 29 years old. He's we still a good few years in him, but it's not going to be a, a, a long-term, uh, you know, so he's not going to be there forever but I think bringing him in he knows the club he knows how we play um, my only slight concern actually would be that I know Brendan Rodgers punted him and Postacoglu plays a similar way to Rodgers allegedly so I'm not sure if there was an issue with retaining or something like that or if it, this was a good bid but no I, I'm really positive about him coming back um, I think that anybody we sign doesn't have a lot of time to bed in or learn Postacoglu's tactics or training methods We've been linked to a few guys that he's already um, played with or that he knows well and I'm quite comfortable getting him in to ease this period of you know, transition. Uh, Sweet Zenko is someone who's going to come in and show up defence a bit. More than happy. Colin, I, I was interested that Brian mentioned captain there 
Mm-hmm. I think if he came back in permanently, he is a candidate to become the captain of the club. Just because of what he's doing in Denmark at this precise moment in time. Now, I think it's a lazy link. I can't yeah. see any link whatsoever in between Postacoglu and Bagheera. Okay? I think it's a lazy link. But when, as Brian says, he's been the captain of this Danish side for the last two years. So, is that are we trying to bring in a ready-made captain there? First of all, I wouldn't sign him. Um, and I do think it is a lazy link. I mean, is he better than Welsh and Hjelge, who's probably your only two fit centre-halves if Chris Iyer does leave? And we're not talking about Beaton. Let's say about Beaton, the better. Uh, but is he better than them two? Yeah, he's better than them two. But is that the level that we should be targeting as part of this rebuild? If you're bringing him in, he probably goes, you want him to be the squad player that he was before he left. Um, and in that sense, I don't think he would be coming in as a captain. I think if you're bringing someone in who wasn't even captain material when he was there the first time round, and there's guys that's still there, um, like James Forrest, like Callum McGregor. Callum McGregor's probably the captain um, in waiting. He's probably the one that's sitting there going, I'm going to get the captain's armband. Um, I think it would be, although he's maybe not the best captain material, it'd be very rude to hand the armband to Sviachenko if he was to come in over someone like Callum McGregor um, it'll be a good squad signing I wouldn't say he's your, the one that you want to be kind of handling the centre back position and guiding someone like Welsh through the start of his career I think you've got to be targeting a lot better than that there's a reason he was let go the first time round you're talking about leading Welsh through there. I mean, the big fella's in the Danish squad for the Euros, Brian, eh? So surely his experience can help Welsh. Well, yeah, I, I mean, listen, just, just for clarity, I don't think he should come in as captain. I just think it's an option. If you look at, you talked about a couple of the, the leaders in the squad, Callum McGregor and James Forrest. Forrest isn't a captain, as much as I, I love him. He's no, and I think giving Calmac the armband this season after Scott Brown with this much pressure he doesn't need any more pressure I think he needs just think he, he plays game just my opinion but you can't go wrong with having leaders in your squad and if Sweet Venko's been captain he's tied um, his Danish side and he comes in and even if he's no player of the week and he's no captain he's still a strong mature voice and, and I think he will guide um, guys that move through um, I actually think Welsh is, is, is you know people talk about getting a, a first-class centre-back and stuff like that. But I, I, I've not got huge issues with Welsh being a, a, a first-choice centre-back or, or one of them. I think we also want to aim higher, but I think that I think the boys can on leaps and bounds, and I think we can only say we experience until Julian comes back. We'll guide that through. Um, and again, I think that he's, if anything, he's going to have experience. He's going to have experience at Celtic Park. He's going to have experience at the pressure. He knows what he needs to win. He knows the attitude. And even if he's a squad player, as you rightly said, Colin, which he probably would be, just we need we need at least two centre backs. I mm-hmm. think it's a, I think it's a no-brainer. But yeah, right as well. It's, it is a lazy link. Um, but again, I, I just think it's the it's like a safe option. You know, uh, I think given how many risks we're going to take this year, I think a safe option is okay. Maybe not for a full rebuild, but mm-hmm. one or two I can love with. I mean, I know he'd, he'd definitely win the dance-off. We've seen his dance moves. We saw that at uh, Tynecastle when we won the league. Um, so he'd win that. But 
let's be honest, who is actually targeting these players? I, I saw a post um, the other day that basically said that Celtic are targeting their long-term targets this summer, which suggests to me that one, we've never replaced the scouting system that we let go towards the end of last season. Um, and two, the targets that we've had out there, if we've not been able to get them for a long period of time, then why have we not been able to get them? And Sviachenko doesn't fit the bill for any of that, because if it was a long-term target, we'd have never let him go. So I, I don't know if this is just something to get people talking ahead of the the Champions League draw, um, and if Mitchell and want to sell him ahead of the fact that we're going to be playing them in the next round, does that not kind of set off the alarm bells, to be honest? It does set off the alarm bells, but again, I, I, I'm with you there, Colin. Eh? When it appeared last night in the papers, I'm going, well, where did that come from? That is a very, very bizarre link. And it got me thinking, where does Ange Postacoglu know this player from? And there doesn't seem to be a direct link, but that's not to say that Postacoglu has not been further with his investigation of the list of names that Celtic have maybe given him. Because if you look at the names that have came in over the last couple of days or so, you've got Arn Hickey and Martin Boyle, guys that were linked to us at this point last season as well when Neil Lennon was in charge. Eh? Mm-hmm. So obviously they are long-term car- candidates, targets for our scouting department. We haven't got a head of recruitment. So Martin Boyle, he is, he is Australia, he's an Australian international. I'm sure Poster Coglu's will know the ins and outs, the faults and the, the pluses of Martin Boyle. But how much will you know of Arden Hickey? Now, that's definitely a long-term target, isn't it? I mean, we've, we've known the insight on the Hickey deal for a while that it was between um, Celtic, who'd put in several bids for Hickey, and Bologna, where he ended up. Um, and he chose to go to Italy. Why, why does he want to come home now? Is that, again, just an, another it's someone Celtic's targeted before. It's it's come back to the times where we were signing Paddy Roberts every transfer window that he was available or we were signing um, Benkovic. Give it time, we'll be linked with Paddy Roberts again. Oh, we'll, be, we'll be linked with him now after me just saying that there. It'll be on some sort of um, headline page tomorrow. This is football. By the way, I would 100% take Paddy Roberts back because I'm, I think no, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this this early. No. I'm not doing this this early. I'm not doing this. I knew that would set you off. Um, <laughs> No, but looking at it, I mean, Hickey, he would be a good left-back. He's not really had a lot of games at Bologna this season because of injury. How much has he actually learned in that time? You come back in, he's up against Greg Taylor. You'd probably see Hickey's now with that extra bit of experience ahead of Greg Taylor. But is he the kind of player that we should be targeting? Again, I know we're, we can't target 11 first-choice players to, to bring into this team, but they've still got to be, even if they're a squad player, they've still got to be better than the options that we've got in there at the minute, and I'm not 100% sure that's the case. If we're talking about regurgitating targets, Brown Warrior comes in, Melling would be a better left-back than Greg Taylor. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're back to the guy for Rosenberg who moved to can I remember where he moved to, but that, that, that was the dance now the last couple of years, we're having a look at the Rosenberg left-back when we were playing Rosenberg more times than we are playing Dundee United. Mm. Uh, what, what do you think, Brian, about all this, all the guff that the papers are having? Is it, are, they, are they just flying kites here? Well, the papers get excited, don't they? Um, you know, anything to do with Celtic is always a good talking point, so I think they get themselves worked up into a wee frenzy and just get excited with a Celtic-related headline. 
Um, what I would say about the transfers, though, so again, I understand that Celtic's fault were in this position, it's been left too late, but you can't expect Postacoglu to come in, hire a scouting team, get them out scouting players, get reports back, get bids in and get them signed by the time we start the season. Mm-hmm. He has to work with what he's got, and I fully expect what's happened is Celtic have said, look, these are players we've had on our list for a while, these are the videos we've got of them. These are the links we've got. What do you think of A, B, and C players? And he'll say, well, I also think I've got this, this, and this players. In between them, they're, they're, they're going to basically, that's basically his shop list he's got to pick from because there's no time to send players. Because remember, still, a lot of the world's still under COVID restrictions as well. So you're relying on video clips and stuff. So there's no way Poster Cobbler can come in. And I don't think it's very expectant to and say, you know, I want to scout the entirety of Europe for the best signings possible and the highest standard because quite simply he's not got the time I agree it's poor situation we're in it, it's, it's bad handling but I don't think we can come in and get too it's a double-edged sword because I'm not overly inspired by anyone we're linked to so far if I'm honest however I totally understand that that's kind of the situation we're in and that's why I think it's going to be a, a longer term rebuild you know, if, if he picks it, if he picks from a, a lineup of five players we've got, gets them in, doesn't like them, we shut them out, get more players in once his proper scouting system is in place. Um, I, I think, I think we just not that we have to take what we're given, but I think we have to understand that the targets we've got are what we're going to have to shop from. See when you look at it, but Postecoglou obviously had to look at clips from last season. He's not. Surely he's not going to come in blind to knowing no, no. the kind of players that's there, right? And if he does that, players coming in these. I know that's that's what I was getting to. Like, if he knows what he's got there, and he knows that this is the job that he's going to be taking. I mean, how long was it between the kind of how thing and him actually getting appointed? I mean, it was obviously appointed a couple of days before it because they still managed to turn around a Celtic TV interview on it. So he has to have been looking at that squad, seeing from the clips who he likes, who he doesn't like, knowing the positions that he's going to have to target. And I know, obviously, he was still in charge of Yokohama at that time, but he's still got to be, you've got to think he's one step ahead to go, right, so I need a right back. I've seen X, Y, and Z. I'm going to suggest that to, to Mackay. I've, we need a, a centre mid. I've seen X, Y, and Z. But tomorrow's a week since he was appointed. And I'd like to have thought in that time we've started to make some moves for the players that either Celtic had on the list or he had on the list. Because at the end of the day, he's the guy that's going to have to work with him. So as much as Celtic say, we think you should sign X, Y and Z, if he thinks I'm not going to get a performance out of him, he shouldn't be bringing them in. This comes back to when Brendan Rodgers um, was given Marion's fed and he hadn't heard of him about a week beforehand. You mm-hmm. can't get into that position again. This is what went wrong the first time round. This is a rebuild. This is meant to be a new era. You can't keep making the same mistakes that you did previously. Well, what you're what you're looking at there when the introduction videos dropped last Thursday, and both parties, Postacoglu and Don Mackay, both says they had just been speaking for a number of weeks. They had been mm-hmm. speaking about targets, about vision, about modernising the club, about where they were going. I'm sure at that point, um, Postacoglu, going be the videos that we've seen of him, the, going by the talks that he's actually gave, there's an interesting one where he talks about moving to Yokohama, that he knew everything about that club before he went in. 
before mm-hmm. he actually walked through that door, he knew everything. And for me, I think that he'll be doing the same at this precise moment in time about Celtic. And he won't be coming in, like, blind. He'll know what we'll need. But I'm also wondering as well if he is going to end up going to the City group and going because Yokohama have got a close Mm -hmm. link to the City group and it's easy for him to tap into that scouting system and go, right, I need a right back. See that boy I was looking at Japan? He can do a job for me. Uh, and I think you might see a, quite a few city link, city group links coming in in the short term. Why, as Brian actually says, we get all our ducks in a row, as seem, as everybody seemed to have said two weeks ago, which seems to be out of fashion now because all our ducks are born in a row. They all seem to have sunk. Brian, see, but, sorry, sorry, Kev. I don't actually think that's a bad idea. I mean, we're talking about a rebuild that both yourself and Brian have said is going to take more than one season to do. Now, if it lets you go on and look for actual experienced players that you're going to be able to sign, then you have to use the contacts that you've got because you're sitting at a, a position at the minute where the squad is pretty thin there and you're going to be losing some big, big players. If it means that you're able to sign maybe two or three players from um, Manchester City or any part of the City group, we were looking at signing Maresca as the manager. So obviously what he's doing down there is something that we can... Um, look at and look at the players that he's got there and there's some of them um, that are very, very exciting young talents you've got to come up and fill in the squad at the minute as you said, if it's going to be a longer rebuild mm-hmm. at least you can put in some quality until you get the players that you're actually looking for Brian, what do you think of that? Do you think we're going to go down that route? Well, I mean, I don't really get the distinction between what I... Celtic are offering cost of quality targets that they've already scouted and then we're saying that's not a good way to go, but there's a city group pick for that. It's the same thing. We're still telling him this is your pool. Mm. But, but I don't think, there's, I don't think there's, there's any doubt that Poster Colby knows what he needs. I don't think there's any doubt. There's nothing to suggest that he's, he's not looking for a whole new defence, a keeper, strikers, and stuff like that. I just think that, you know, and, and I think you're right. I think, and, and I've said, I think, you, I think we're probably looking at a couple of bigger name signings, maybe. Maybe, maybe really strong centre-half, strong striker, and then some loan signings or some free transfers to fill the gap until we also, as you say, get the ducks in the row. So, I, I mean, I think the, the point we're all making, I think, in different ways is that he's limited with what he's going to have to... He's not going to have the scouting system in place. He's going to have to pick from a certain uh, bracket, whether that's city groups or loanees or people that's already been scouted. In neither situation, I think, is great. But I think it's what he's going to have to work with for the moment. What, what, I was, what I was maybe meaning, and I've maybe says it badly, was he's had access to the City Group database for three years, scouting database for three years, and he'll have extensive knowledge of that database. So if Celtic come to him and go, by the way, we quite fancy Charlie Wake from... Sunderland, Postacoglu has a look at him and go, no, I can a guy who is, has been, I've watched for two and a bit years on mm-hmm. this database which can do a job for us. So that, that that's what I was kind of meaning, that he's already got an extensive knowledge. It's not that Celtic will be giving him that database, he will, that's, that's where his knowledge is going to sit. That's, mm-hmm. that's where his knowledge is going to sit. So he maybe won't know uh, the boy Nisbet perhaps. 
but he wants a guy that does it for Hibs. And if he goes, well, that's better than any option that I know, then Celtic may bid for the, the guy Nesbitt for Hibs. But it's, as you say, it's going to be a bit of um, a mix and match, pick and mix here for the next six, seven months or whatever. Eh? And I think Celtic have already gave us that impression that, by the way, we better strap ourselves in because this is not going to be a quick fix. What do you think, Colin? I agree with you, mate. Uh, <laughs> Charlie Wake. Uh, honestly, he's that's one of them signings. It's like somebody has one good season, and then the next thing they're on a, a big move. I mean, all you need to take a look at is how Ollie McBurney done when he scored a couple of goals in that then kind of leagues. You wouldn't sign him either. He's not even a footballer. But that's the thing. There is going to be this kind of. Um, it's going to be a. a a mix of like free transfers and loans and probably investments in certain positions. Um, so if he's got this extra pool that you can look into that potentially wouldn't be available to us before, then that's that's a, a good thing to have. Um, we are now sitting in a situation where we spent sort of like £30 million, £20, £30 million last season and we've not seen the benefit of that again. Is there players there that you can also develop? I mean, guys like Barkas, is he just going to be completely written off? It looks as if we've sent Cham out to AEK Athens to cover what was left of the money that was owed to AEK in that sense. So is then Barkas now free to be transferred? Um, you're looking at guys like um, a Yeti up front, who is still relatively young in terms of football. You're looking that surely you can get something out of him. So as much as we're looking at guys that's coming in, we've also got to look at what Postacoglu can do to the players that's already there and who's who have we actually got coming through as well. So get them in the country, get them in, into the training. Obviously, it's going to take some time with the, um, the quarantine and things like that, but he must have a couple of players that you're going to want to pick up earlier in the window. Um, and we've got 10 days to do that before the Champions League. I'll be surprised if we get one or two, to be perfectly honest. Brian, what do you think? Yeah, Colin, I think you're spot on, actually. Um, you touched on something that I'm really excited about, actually, is developing players. Look at how good David Turnbull could be when he's got a real strong fitness coach. You know, someone gives him... If you get an improved David Turnbull over the David Turnbull we've already got, something special there. I can't wait to see him develop under a really strong manager. And I think Postacoglu, by all accounts, favours that attacking sort of flair player. Um, even guys like Sorrow. We Sorrow, with a bit more discipline, could really be a special player for us. Um, I think, what about Postacoglu's previous tactics? The way Forrest, you know, cuts in, lets the full back overlap. He's ideal for the way he plays. I think he can get a tune out of Johnson. And maybe guys like Luca Connell and, and Scott Robertson, I think, can develop. So, one of the things that I can't wait for, actually, this season, although I agree with both, I think it's a season, I don't want to say it's a write off, but I don't have the expectations for this season. I, I should have, probably. But one of the things I can't wait for is to see these guys improve and to see how exciting a, a, a really motivated, disciplined, tactically where Turnbull and Soro is. Callum McGregor back to his best, Forrest and form. I think we've got a lot to look forward to. And also, if you can get these guys playing away that they get a, that attractive Celtic football back, they'll play in the Celtic way. It's something we've wanted for a while. And I get 
there's been some sort of there's been some uh, John Moss saying things about don't worry about the defence it takes care of itself and we'll all have fun but it does harken back to guys like you know Tommy Burns' team that played some of the best football any Celtic fans ever seen loved it the definition of the Celtic way and I'm desperate to get that back as well and be really proud of watching my team so I think there's so much to look forward to this season and, and you hit the nail on the head Colin and, and, uh, and Kev the, developing some of the guys that are already there is, is going to be one of the most exciting parts I think we, we may get a surprise that some names that we haven't even thought of might actually make a breakthrough this season. And that's what they're hoping for. And, and it is blind hope. And we do at this precise moment in time, all we've got is blind hope because we haven't seen what Poster Coglu can do. And we haven't got a structure there. We haven't got the plan in there. It's This is back here, fag packet stuff. Yeah. David David Kelly comes in and goes, what am I listening to? What am I listening to? Man City are the only team allowed to scout players. <laughs> As if they have some boy sitting in a cupboard with a magic magic ball that they share with, with the City group. Well, if you have a look at our signing targets over the last couple of years, the majority, well, you've got beat on Wanyama, uh, Danaya, um, there's a whole list of them all came for the Man City group. So it's it's quite clear that our scouting has been blinkered by certain agents and certain football clubs. And that's what we need to get ready. But at this precise moment in time, it's no there because we haven't got a ready head of recruitment. We haven't got a we haven't got a director of football. We haven't got a manager in the country. It's an utter chaotic mess. And what we're actually saying here is, by the way, this is this is a long-term turnaround here. This club's getting modernised and we may not like it for a number of months, a number of years. But hopefully, if we can say in five years' time, in five years' time, that appointing Poster Coglu was the right decision. If we look back on that and we were sitting where we are in five years' time and if it's utterly successful, we can go, by the way, see that pain for a year or two, it was worth it for where we are now. Definitely. And I, I'm looking forward to hearing the rest of this because unfortunately I have to drop for work reasons. Um, but it was great to be on the first sort of Wednesday wallopers, I think we're now called. So well, that's the working title at the minute. Um, good to be on and meet you, Brian. And I'll be back next week. See you later, Colin. Yes, Colin. See you later. Um, now, since Colin's away, it's me and you again, Brian. Um, do, do you think that, like, William Joseph, was it William Joseph? Daniel Mick comes in there about Aaron Moy, 30-year-old, and he's been linked with Celtic as well. Do you think that that would be the type of Scott Sinclair type signer? that you might see Poster Coglu want to bring in, somebody that buys into what he's going to try and do. Yeah, and this is, this is the, the thing, it's that, it's that juxtaposition between what I want and who I want Celtic to be signing versus who I think they'll sign. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. 
Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. And it's somewhere in the middle is, is, is this because... I said we were linked with the, the Japanese lad, um, Edu Onwayu, I think that's how you say his name. I hope it is. If you're watching Edu, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, guys like him, Moy coming in, they know Postacoglu, they know how he works, they know his training, they know how he likes to play, they know his character. Given the fact that Postacoglu himself keeps talking about how much time he needs to change a club around, if you get three or four players in, it's finding a team that already know how he plays, that can only make that quicker. And I think we've got the players, I've mentioned them, Sorrell, Turnbull, Forrest, McGregor. Um, I think they're smart enough footballers and capable enough footballers to adapt quickly. I think guys like that, even for a season, he tidies over until everything comes into place. Is good signing. In any other season, have you told me we were signing a 30-year-old from, where does it even play? Is it China he plays? Shanghai, yeah. Shanghai, the Shanghai Shufflers. Um, <laughs> If you're saying a theatre for them, I would say it's unambitious, it's not what we need. But just given the current situation, I think it's actually probably a decent idea. And do you know what? If it's we, we keep talking about how we need, we want post to make some decisions. If that's the guys he's picking, we can't then complain about it. Unless mm-hmm. they're wrong, obviously. But yeah, I, I'm kinda again, I'm not overly involved with it, but I think it will work for what we're gonna to need to do. We're hoping it's going to work because it's quite... I said two weeks ago uh, on the Wednesday Club that I was just going to judge Postacoglu as Celtic manager only. And that's all. I can only just judge him as Celtic manager. But I've went back and started watching the the cinema, the, the, the talks that he's done, the, the leadership talks and that... The leadership talks and that that he's done, eh? And... The Herms man's just chapped my door, but he'll, he'll leave it at the door, don't he worry about that. Um, and there was one thing, that there was a video I watched this morning, and I can't remember where it was. It was something that he'd done four or five years ago when he was a manager in Sydney. And one thing that really struck me, and on the back of Neil Lennon's comments yesterday about us chasing Peter, about not us, not me and you, Brian, but the Celtic fans chasing Peter Wall out the club. He was doing this talk, this leadership talk, and the slide behind him actually says, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And he says, we get told that and that's a load of rubbish. He says, that slogan is a slogan of the complacent, the arrogant or the scared. And I think that sums up Celtic Football Club at this precise moment in time. Because we've had 13 we've had 13 years of or however long it is, 17 years of Peter Wall, and there was too many people going, I were winning leagues. This is great. This is always going to last. This is always going to last. And the complacence and the arrogance came in when they decided that they could get away with appointing Neil Lennon rather than, rather than keep him going with a Brendan Rodgers type. When I, when I saw that slide, I got further on board with him. I'm going... Wait a minute, you could be coming in here at the right time. Yes, I've got doubts about him. Of course I've got doubts about him. But then I started thinking about what John Barnes used to call your unconscious bias. 
And if I had been watching Posca Coglu doing this talk and saying he had been managing in the Bundesliga or he'd been managing in the English Premiership, or he had been managing an English Premiership. Uh, I'm just waving to my hands, man, there. Sorry, lads. Uh, or he had been managing an English Premiership. Uh, we would be right on board with him. We would be lauding him all, all over the shop. But the fact is, it's the fear of the unknown and it's the fear of where he's been appointed from. And the reasons that he's been appointed, i.e., where he put all our eggs in the how basket. But when you listen to him talk, I say, I think there's a bit of an unconscious bias coming through here. For me, anyway, I, I, I sort of realised that when I started watching him. I totally agree with what you're saying. It's, I remember first around the whole world, or the whole Celtic world, when who's this guy? Can't even say his surname. You know, we've all done our, our research and all YouTube clips and stuff like that. But the reason I was excited about him, um, as I keep sort of saying, is because I, I sort of bought into what he was saying. I bought into this idea of I'm going to change things. This is how I'm going to play. This is how I'm going to do it, and that's it. And I watched the same conference you watched, and I thought that was that stuck with me as well. I thought that was absolutely excellent, and I love the fact that the guy says anything he's ever learned anything. You know, you try and do it better. You try and advance on it. So I think, I think it's, I think you're right. I think there's a bit of bias behind it. The flip side of that is he always talks about how much time he needs, mm-hmm. and he's, he's pretty much said he doesn't care what anybody says. He's going to do it his way, which is admirable. If you just said to me, "Look, we're going to have a season of pain. We're going to get back to playing good football." We're going to get back to challenging. We're going to bring through some youth. But the next two seasons, we're going to dominate. I would take that. I'm not convinced of the Celtic fans. The Celtic fans that are complaining that we have been too negative. I think they've turned quickly on them three months into the season if it's no gone well. Uh, I think the best becomes, you can be as positive as you like about them, but you need to buy into him, as he's said before. If he says, this isn't a one-season fix, you need to buy into that and trust him because I don't think he, and I think him and Don McKay share the same vision and I don't think they criticise him no matter how much people get excited and upset if it doesn't go well so far this season. I think he'll be there for the long haul and I think that's a thing that we've needed for a long time. He's actually someone to come in and build a sort of a legacy, bring players through, get them playing a certain way and constantly build on that, reshape the club from top to bottom I think that's what we've been asking for. I just don't think we can expect it in a season. I don't think so, and I don't think he's going to promise that. And everything I've seen about him talking and everything that experts, I'm going to use inverted comma, the, the, the Neil Lennon rabbit ears and that, have said that it will take him a while. And the, the conference that me and you are talking about, um, he basically says, well, I'll make a decision for what I think's right, and if it costs me my job, it will cost me my job. And that's a... It's a, it's a devil may care attitude that he thinks he's not going to change. I, I had it in my back of my mind that maybe I was having a look at his Australian side, and I'm going, will this be the best squad of players that he's worked with? And you look at the Australian side, you go, no, that Australian team's going to be better. But did he tweak his philosophy at any point and it doesn't seem like it has it seems like 
this is his philosophy. It was the philosophy he's been brought up with, and he basically says that when his team plays football, they play a certain way, as if his dad is sitting up in the stand going to enjoy the way his team's playing football. Sometimes he learn very quickly that results matter to a, a lot of the Celtic support, and that's the be-all and end-all. And when he says things like, I would rather one 4 free than one nothing." Again, you do take that big deep intake of breath at stuff, at stuff, at stuff like that because it does verge on the Tony Mowbray point at that point. But you're talking about belief, and he talks about belief quite a lot. He talks about belief all the time. I didn't need to believe in Postacoglu. Twenty-four guys in the Celtic dressing room have got to believe in Postacoglu, and that's where Ronnie Dyla failed. Because he couldn't get the could he couldn't get a core of players to, to believe in what he was trying to do. I mean, I was at a, a fans forum with Ronnie Dyla, and after I heard him talking, I would have run through a brick wall for him. But then I'm no Chris Commons, I'm no Charlie Mulgrew, I'm no Anthony Stokes, I'm just a a rotten Sunday League football player who got I you're right, mate, I know what you're talking about. So Poster Coglu doesn't need to convince me. He's got to convince the 24 boys in his squad. The brilliant thing about that, though, one of the things he, he was talking about was the fact that he takes the pressure off the players. He takes all the, takes all the criticism, all the pressure, all the expectation on his own big shoulders and lets the players, and he tells them, as long as you're doing what you're told and playing my way, you're mm-hmm. fine. Regardless of the result, as long as you're doing what I'm asking, you're playing. If I'm a player, that's a nice, safe atmosphere to express yourself. You know, how many players in Scotland do you see doing a step over or, or, or a wee tricky flick or, you know, anything like that? How many Celtic players do you see trying something a bit braver, a bit of magic that they might not normally do it? And I think it's a fear of failure, maybe. And there's an argument that, you know, if they're good enough, they shouldn't care about that. But I think the younger players, particularly, will thrive under that sort of management. Because the thing about it is, it's... it's He's not saying results don't matter. He's telling the players, don't you worry about results. If you do what I'm asking, results will come. Mm-hmm. Just trust in the process. So he's, he's no, you know, it's easy to mistranslate, but he's not saying results don't matter, just play football. He's telling them, if you do it my way, it'll take care of itself. And he's taking the pressure on himself. Because he, he also said as well that he's, he absolutely hates, um, hates getting beat at anything. Uh-huh. He said if he had any pets, he would kick them if he lost a game. <laughs> you better watch when he says that these days. Be, I know, I know, I know. Um, but I, I, I think that if you're a player, you're going to buy into him a lot. I just, and he seems to have the, the strength of character, for good or for bad, that he won't take fans' criticism, which you no doubt get at some point, and probably rightly so. I mean, that's not being his big cheerleader just now. If he loses his first three games, you know, your, your attitude may change, but I think they, I think we almost have to collectively commit to him and his vision because there's no point. Because the reality is, he's the manager now, and there's no point in moaning about it and saying we should go this guy or that guy. Or I don't buy into him because ultimately we're going to be there supporting them. We, we need to just sort of we need to buy in, and I think I almost think Kim and Dom should come out and be very explicit. Almost probably after season tickets, but are very explicit and say, look. This is a this is a, a two or three year thing, um, and and you know we know it's going to hurt, but this is what we're going to do. You've been asking for a vision, you've been asking for clarity. This is it. 
And then, you know, we're going to support the team regardless, but you just hope you get the buy-in and we can all get a bit of momentum behind them. You, ben- you mentioned uh, the first three games in that there, eh? And you mentioned the first three games. Uh, so the fixture list came out yesterday. And it's 45 days until we run out at Tynecastle at 8 o'clock on a Saturday night. We, when the, see, I'm going to go off at a tangent here, just one of my wee hangies. That stand at Tynecastle that the halfway line's no in line with the tunnel, that really bugs me. And hearts need to sort that. That really annoys me when I see that on the telly. I'm sorry, I just have to get that out there because, and I'll mention it once I watch it again because it does really bug me. The halfway lines though in the middle of the tunnel. That does annoy me. So we've got 45 days before we go to Tynecastle. We've then got Dundee at home. The first round of fixtures are Hearts at Tynecastle, Dundee at home, St Murn home, Rangers away, Ross County home, Livy away, Dundee United home, Aberdeen away, Motherwell away, St Johnson home and Hibs away. We've got every hard away game in the first round of fixtures that we could have picked. It is a tough baptism of fire when we're ripping up the club and starting again. And you've got to have a, a some bit of sympathy for the manager. Oh, you absolutely have. Um, again, there's a couple of ways of looking at that. So... He's facing all the toughest away games right away. If they don't quite go as well, what he's got is they've got a chance further down the season with the teams a bit more attuned and you know a bit more in line with his philosophies to correct those mistakes and collect them at home. So in a way, it's almost better pulling the plaster and getting some of the harder fixtures out of the way. Because the other thing is, if he wins them, you know, 15 points for your first five games, he's off to a flyer. You know, if he goes to Ibrox and, and, and puts them in their place, what a start he's off to. Suddenly, the, the, you know, the momentum really goes his way. So I think if, he, if he, they don't start well, I think you get the benefit of the doubt because everyone understands the position. But if he does get them right, wow, what a beginning. And, and suddenly the confidence feels so... I, on paper, it's a bit of a nightmare. I, I, I did, um, I did that- take the... Sharp and take a breath when I first saw it, but that that pesky computer, man, that pesky nah, computer, yeah, yeah. It's ra- random generator of fixtures, you know. Aye, aye, random generator, brilliant. Um, but I mean, I think in a way that the the one that worries me the most, the first one, Hearts at Tynecastle, eight o'clock Saturday night. That's a that's a tough way to start your season. They'll, I know they're coming up for the championship, but. They're a Premiership side that's been playing in the Championship. They'll be absolutely chomping at the bit to, to beat Celtic. They'll feel aggrieved at the Scottish Cup final. Mm-hmm. They'll be motivated. And if I don't know if there's going to be fans or not, but if there's fans in Tynecastle, that's a, that's a hard place. That's a baptism of fire right off the bat. But again, if he gets a good result there, that's a huge boost. And I think that'll allay a lot of fears. Um, but a tough, tough start for the big fella. Right, I've got to go into my parallel universe here. Eh? So he's done an invincible season in Australia, right? Brendan Rogers done an invincible season at Celtic, which all started at Tynecastle. I'm just saying, just putting it out there. I'm just putting that out there to anybody that wants to have a think about that. The fixtures. I was having a I was having a I was having a look at the fixtures and my hope Colin before Colin went away asked us on the, the WhatsApp group last night what do you think 
like would be the fixture you're going to that could be a turning point that with yourself. Uh, what fixture do you think? Do you, you think in the first one's massive or what, what, what's your thoughts? What, what people do you want to be having a look at the fixtures in certain ones? So I think, so I, I've sort of mentioned the first fixture. I think that's a real hard one. The obvious one is the, the Rangers game um, at Ibrooks. That's a big one. But I actually think it's the games at home against Marin, Dundee, because they're two games that he should be winning. And I think they could be good because if he shoots in a clinic and gets a, you know, a good performance, good few goals in, then you, that, although that's kind of what you expect, that's a good marker from it to start building on. They're the riskier ones. People will be furious, but if you drop any points at Tynecastle, drop any points at Ibrooks, you know, they are probably your two hardest away games. You drop points at home against St Mirren or Dundee, that's, that's, going to be detrimental so I think in a way they're almost more important in a way although of course Tyne Castle and, and Ibrooks are the the hard ones what I'm looking at I'm going further instead of Tyne Castle on the first day of the season it's Tyne Castle on the 26th of January 2022 the first game back after the, the winter break and if we were still in touch at that point, six months into the project, I would be looking for us to kick on at that point. Go to, go to Dubai for... Might go to Dubai again, I think they had to say that. Wherever we're going to go in the two weeks in, in January, if we're allowed to go anywhere... Anstruther, we're going to Anstruther. Uh, <laughs> if we're still in touch on that point going into the final run of the season, I will be over the moon. I will be over the moon. And that's maybe just me glass half empty, but I know the size of the rebuild that we've got. And having listened to the man speak, I'm like, we're going to need to give give him time. And yes, we will have the resources, which means that we could win probably more games than we actually lose, unless there's an utter disaster. But if we're still maybe one, two, three, four points behind going into those final two rounds of games, I will be over the moon. I really will. And because of the amount of over, overhaul that we've actually got. Agreed. And um, I think it's interesting. I think by that time, you'd expect the, the director of football to be in. Mm-hmm. But, uh, Mark Lowell will be taking his seat as director of football. Um, or, somebody for the, for the, or somebody else for the City Group. Somebody else for the City Group. Um we might get Guardiola in, who knows? Um, but I, you'd expect him, he's full recruitment team in, the players up to speed, and then looking at players over that next, from January to the end of the season, for next season, and for to get in ahead of the Champions League qualifiers. So I think that's right. It, it's going to be so so interesting to see where we're at in January. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, it's hard, you never want to, the Adidas slogan was, you never want to. Settle for second best. Of course you don't, and I don't think we'd be settling for second best. But I think, I think we'd be realistically saying, you know what? Given the situation, given the disaster we've faced, this is the bad. We're playing good football. We're in touch. Everything's in place now. We can actually see the roadmap moving forward. I agree with you. I think that's a decent position to be in. I think it is, and obviously Celtic yesterday. 
came out with the how to get season ticket holders back into the ground. You need to register. I mean, they've maybe read the room wrongly as well. If you've all if you've already renewed your season ticket, you want to go to the games. So asking you, do you want to go to the games? Feels completely bizarre. But watching this Euros tournament with fans in it. What a difference it makes. What right. a difference. Even the 12,000 that were inside that bowl atmosphere sucking Hamden on Monday, they generated an atmosphere up until we went to Nohundun and then it disappeared. But having fans there is going to make so much of a difference to the club. Um, how, how, how do you think it's... Do you think that's going to add extra pressure to Postacoglu or... The team are going to have to get bedded in and used to. The fans are going to get. I mean, it must be strange for them playing with, with fans there again. Kind of. I think it's you know it's interesting if you if you look at how quickly people adapt to things. You know, most of us work from home now. They never done that before. I hated hated it at first. A few months in, used to it, knew it, I love it. I think when the players go out in the park, I think any player will tell you that they prefer fans there. You know, whether they're under pressure or not, any decent player will tell you they prefer fans there. And I think the Celtic players will be 10 foot taller when there's fans there. I think it will really, really benefit them. I think Postacoglu, I think he'd be smart enough to get it. And I think if there is, you know, GLs, if he's not playing well, I think he, I think he seems sort of single-minded enough that he'll, he'll take that. I think he'll be all right with that. I think he'll try and shield the players, but I think the players themselves, I think will, will absolutely love it. And I think as well, what you'll see is, see the, the although last year was a right off for many reasons, but some of the players that came to Parkhead would have shrunk, would have shrunk under the pressure of playing in front of Celtic fans. They would have absolutely hated it. And that's the mark of a good player. The mark of a good player is when you want to play in front of fans that are on your back or cheering you. And if you're an opposition player and the Celtic fans are on you, you're going to feel it. So I, I think unequivocally, it's brilliant news if we can get Celtic fans back. Now, Celtic have, have says in the fans forum, meeting Don Mackay says they reckon they will have between 25 and 30,000 in for the start of the season. Now, obviously, that's going to depend on how many season ticket holders, and it will only be season ticket holders will get the opportunity to go to those below capacity games to start off to start off with. I'm just wondering how much goodwill is actually there uh, with the fans. I mean because you have a look at the, the, the messages that they sent out yesterday. No season ticket deadline. There's a season ticket deadline. They're not going to extend the season ticket deadline. It was almost like a gun to your head is either are you in or are you out? I don't think that's a good look. No, I mean, listen, part of the, the the problems in the relationship between Celtic fans and the club and Celtic fans and you know, each other is because it's so frustrating that the, the PR side of Celtic Football Club now, the media communication team, wow, I mean, that's that's they're right up there, they're right up there with Neil Lennon's PR team now. Um, it's it's some of the strangest strategy I've ever seen at, at any level, at any business, any football club. And I think that they are eroding the goodwill. But what's going to happen is Celtic's like a 
you know, Celtic's one of those those things that you, you love and it's in your blood and it's, you know, it's at your core. And as frustrated as you are with the, the PR team and the board, when it's time to start playing, you want to go and see the, the hoops. You want to cheer them on, you want to watch them, you want to be part of that. So the goodwill will come back if, if things start to improve in the park. And I think, you know, we're, we're hearing about how good Don McKay's communication is going to be. And I think he's got to be aware. I mean, he's a clever guy. He's got to be aware that the the timing of some of these statements over this season has been absolutely atrocious. I mean, was it no something like the day after the, the protest after Ross County we get offered Christmas jumpers? <laughs> no, you know I, mean? Yes. I mean, you've you've got to think that they're at the wind up at some point. But I think the I think with just a few I mean I wasn't a huge fan of it, but you saw when they done the, the one club since 1888 hashtag. That was one hashtag and it got people back on board for, for a wee while. And I just think if they, they change their media strategy a bit, which hopefully they will, I think fans will start to start to forgive and forget. But again, they've got to do that quickly. They've got to do that very quickly. I, I, I must admit, um, that hashtag, I probably agree with Jim Orr when he says it's like we are the people for the good guys and <laughs> and like I, I wasn't on board with it because everything my, the PLC have done since 2012 has says that they're no one club that they're part of the old firm and they've done everything in, the, in their power to keep the old firm alive so until that changes I'm, I'm always going to treat that one club since 1888 with the disdain it actually dis- deserves in my mind actually Roberto uh, 64 comes in uh, on YouTube Mackay needs to decide whose side to be on the board or the fans I suggest he would be wiser to be on the side of the fans and to undermine his board as suitably but as effectively as possible I think Dom has to get the fans back on, on side and he's got to and for me to get the fans back on side, he's got to read the room and start doing the right thing. And I think the £50 voucher was the wrong thing. I do think that was a complete... I, I, I take that £50 voucher to be another slap in the face, where um, that's a, it was an afterthought. I'm all, it was almost like, ah, we need to do something. And this is what they've came up with. Ah, there's £50 to spend in our own shops. No, hold on, that's not what we're asking. We're asking you to do the right thing by your fans, which was if you wanted a discount or a partial refund, then you were able to get it. Not just here's £50 to go and spend in your shop when you after you've renewed. The well, thing it's, that, it's just sorry, just to, to, to pick up on that comment. I think that's a ridiculous comment. I think they suggest that Dom has to pick either the fans or the board. I start undermining the board. All that brings us is this as a name. What Dom has to do is get everyone aligned. The players, the fans, the board. The Trinity, as Brendan Rogers calls it. I think to suggest that Dom has to undermine the board or, or start a war with the board or, or put the fans over the board. It's, it, you can't have that. I, I get the sentiment. He has to understand the fans' frustrations and I think he will. But, but to suggest that you have to pick one or have to start undermining the board... No, for me, it has to be an alignment of the three, and it's a big job to do it, and he has to put fans first out of that three. Mm-hmm. But to suggest that you want some sort of a war between the board and Dom is, is a fallacy, and I don't think it's going to work. He's got a massive couple of weeks 
a massive, well, no, more than a couple of weeks, they've got a massive couple of months and they've got to get more decisions right than wrong. And that that's on the way that we're going to go forward. Brian, I think we'll call it a day. Uh, if we've been on for an hour and we'll let people get back to work and do whatever they need to do. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for all your comments. Remember subscribing that. And remember, just be, be nice to folk if, and folk will be nice to you. Calm down, everybody, and see you later. Eh? may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Social Podcast Network. Sports 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 Social Podcast Network.